This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, welcome to Hidden History and Odyssey Through Time. I'm your host, John Rodriguez, and here we focus on highlighting honorable stories that have been buried in the sands of time. So please, take a look around our website and follow our Instagram, at Hidden History Pod. I am also available on Twitter, at JLR489. Thanks for listening, and please, stay happy, stay safe, and always stay informed. Attention, the Milf and Me podcast contains strong language and open conversations about sexuality, a multitude of lifestyles, and occasional conversations of political fuckery. Keep politics out of your pants, folks. Your hosts, Antonio and Diana, are not licensed relationship therapists. We are cynical assholes with microphones pretty much like every other podcast. We are happy to be a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. You can find them at deluxeedition.com, and we are happy to announce the two podcasts of the month. Those are the Broken System Podcast and the Quad Pro Quo Podcast. So with that out of the way, we encourage you to enjoy the show, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and just have a great day. Dimitri calling again, the guy from the street. I left you a message several days ago. I don't like leaving second messages, but I like you. You're a very elegant woman. You're very attractive, but I don't play that game. So here's how it's going to work. If I do not receive a phone call back from you by 3 o'clock Thursday afternoon, I'm no longer interested. I'm very intelligent. I'm great in bed. I make great money. Believe it or not, I'm a complete catch. Complete catch. Matter of fact, I'm one of the few men in the city that has nothing wrong with him. Now, I understand if you've got Clearly. other issues. I don't know. Maybe you were abused in childhood. Maybe you're just oh. a person who's extremely frightened or has some, has an anxiety disorder. Maybe you're on uh, some medication for that. I don't know. Maybe. There could be another issue. But if you're psychologically normal and you have to call me because there's been some horrible thing that's happened in your life which prevented you, that's fine. Otherwise... Oh. <laughs> Damn. Fire, man. Hello and welcome to the Milf and Me podcast. I'm your host, Antonio, here with my lovely co-host, Diana. And, Diana, we have someone sitting on the couch next to you today. Yes, we do. How about you introduce yourself, my friend? My name is Jay, and I am an amateur practitioner of Shabari. Shabari. You sent me the link to this, and I was fascinated. And we were trying to figure out how we could do this podcast and have him show off his art in the video realm, because when we first talked about it, we weren't doing video yet. We were just doing audio. That's right. So we've got Jay here today yep. to show us Shabari, and I'm really excited. So can you inform us like on the history of it and what it is and how you even got into it? Yeah, so uh, Shabari, I mean, it's not... It's a Japanese... The simplest way to define it is that it's a Japanese rope art, um, typically used in BDSM circles, but not limited to that. Uh, there are times where shibari is strictly ornamental and decoration, like it's just an art. 
Um, there are other times where it, you know, definitely delves into the more sensual realm. Um, it's not like an ancient Japanese art or anything like that, um, but it has been around for a while. Um, and there's actually even a couple places here in Salt Lake that, you know, the schools that will, you know, they offer classes and will teach you, you know, from beginner all the way up to some super advanced stuff. Uh, it's got, there are a lot of different flavors to it. Some of it's just like the ornamental decoration, like, you know, tying a very ornate pattern on a leg, uh, like as a, 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 you know, faux garter or stocking, something like that. We might do one of those today. Um, and it can go all the way up to, you know, full restraint, uh-huh. uh, you know, where, you know, arms and legs are bound uh, tightly or even suspension, you know, like using the ropes to suspend someone from a frame uh, tied into some contortion. So what is the path to get into Shibari? Because I, I have a really quick thing to interject. Sure. We've talked about bondage and BDSM before. We did a full episode on it. Yes. And we've both agreed that it's something that we are fascinated by. Sure. But at the same time, also like a little bit intimidated by. Sure. But I think the part that scares me the most about bondage is the whole leather and yeah. the spikes and the restraints that look uncomfortable uncomfortable metallic mm-hmm. and chafy mm-hmm. yeah but then when you showed me the pictures of the stuff that he's into it's beautiful it's gorgeous you're right yeah. it's like a art but also with like the sensuality of erotic restraint yep yeah it's sensual this is nylon rope is what i prefer to use there's lots of different varieties but i feel that i mean it's you know yeah. it's yeah soft it's super and it's, comfortable yeah it's you know, it, it's not something that's going to bite into you or chafe you unless you want it to. Unless you want it to. Yeah, right? exactly. Like there's different levels of degree of, let's say, pain and pleasure that you can bring tighter, into your body. Tighter, do it tighter. Yeah. Make right. that shit tighter. <laughs> I prefer nylon rope just because it is more comfortable and I like the way it feels running through my hands. Like it is a, you know, regardless, it's a very tactile experience for me. Right. You know, and so I, I, I like the way nylon rope feels, you know, but it's also important to me how my partner feels and what they want, you know. Um, I have used hemp rope. I have used, you know, jute and something that has a little more texture to it. Um, and, you know, depending on who my partner is, like there are partners that they want the marks left on their skin, you know, e- even if it's just for, you know, half an hour after I've untied them, they still see the, the impressions from the rope. So it's it's really at their comfort level. But as the, the, the rigor, the one tying the knots, it's my responsibility. And I take this super, super seriously. You know, their safety is my highest concern. So right. although they may want it tighter, you know, nerve damage is always a concern. Circulation is always a concern, depending on, you know, the, the tie, um, you know, joints, muscles, like you have to be hyper aware of them. Um, and that's, that's not to deter somebody who wants to get into it. Like there's lots of really great resources available online. Um, and again, like I said, locally, where if, if, if you're interested in exploring this, there are ways to do it very safely. So my question, I guess, is, is which came first, like the passion for the art or the interest in bondage? Because for me, like I was talking about with Diana, like I do like the idea of light bondage. Sure. But I would have never thought of like like the art and the practition of something like Shibari. Uh-huh. So what came first for you? Uh, for me, it was a, a partner who was, you know, kind of introduced me to the, the BDSM scene. And I kind of dipped my toe in the pool. You know, it's like, okay, there are parts of this that I'm not interested in. And that's, you know, like you guys, the, the leather and the spikes and stuff, not my jam. You know, uh, you know, like the gimp in Pulp Fiction, mm-mm, that does nothing for me. I'm, I'm so not interested. Um, but there are parts of it, you know, like the, the power dynamics that are very appealing, 
you know, and and can be really rewarding, you know, for both partners. Um, And so I had a partner who was, you know, kind of into, you know, the BDSM scene and introduced me to, you know, a few concepts and things like that uh, as far as like restraint. And as I just kind of started searching for, you know, how can I do this safely? How can I, you know, what's, let me get some information. Let me learn about this because this is something that's of interest to her. I, you know, I would like to, you know, support her in this and be a part of this. And um, just as I started searching, I stumbled across Shibari. I'm just like, oh, you know, I mean, I've always had kind of an artistic streak, you know, whether right. it's been drawing, painting, you know, cooking, like I just, I, I love to create. And so the Shibari really appealed to me just from an artistic standpoint. Diana, what are your thoughts on this? Absolutely. Yeah. When he first told me about this, um, so I've known Jay for about 15 years and we reconnected, went and had dinner and talked. And when he introduced this to me, Wow. I mean, my mind was blown. I was fascinated by it because I didn't even know it existed for one, mm-hmm. right? Um, same with you. I just imagine leather ropes <laughs> and whips and all the bullshit. Um, I mean, it's not bullshit. It's just not for me, I guess. And this fascinated me. And I agree. I've watched some YouTube videos on it and the the photography that's out there with this very specific thing is beautiful it's exotic and beautiful and sensual um and so that's why I was like you need to be on the show like this is this is too good like I want to introduce it to people because I didn't know I'm 42 years old I didn't even know that word I've how many times have I texted you and asked you the name of it again I keep because I (laughs) I had to ask like three times yeah because I you know shibari right so now it's like in my mind but um yeah, chef. Or, I'm sorry, I keep calling you chef, but <laughs> I know Jay because he um, he's been a chef his whole life, and he is a very creative man. And I've seen his art and his work, and this has just been such a cool thing that you've taken on. And yeah, I'm interested and fascinated by. it. I think it's cool. That's why we have you here. Well, thanks for having so, me. So yeah, thanks for here. thanks for being on. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. He's gonna do. He's going to do some things. Yeah, we're going to have a demo. It's exciting. And I'm yep. a little bit nervous about it, too. I'm like, okay, how are we going to show this on the camera? But I know. I know yeah. we're going to figure it out somehow. Jay, what is the scene like in Salt Lake City for this? Like, is it a part of the Bondage community or does it have its own community that just practices this? And, like, do the two intermix? Like, can you. Or do you? I'm sure you can do whatever you want. But is it common practice to implement other types of bondage into Shabari? Or is it something that is practiced on its own and then experienced in its own aspect, in its own like appreciation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And and in my experience, and again, I, I'm an amateur. My experience is somewhat limited. But in my experience, you know, if you're looking at a Venn diagram of like, you know, here's BDSM and here's Shabari, there's a fair amount of overlap. You know, it, 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 the Shabari just naturally plays well into most BDSM dynamics in my experience. And so, yeah, the, but, but also, you know, Shibari has a very, you know, specific and thriving community, uh, you know, in its own right. So if you just want to, you know, learn Shibari as an art form, you can totally do that. You know, you, you don't have to be like, Oh, you know, uh, I don't want to get into the, the leather and the spikes and, you know, I don't want to be in the BDSM scene. Totally, totally acceptable. And you can absolutely do that. For me, uh, again, there's there's a fair amount of crossover, you know, just depending on my partner. Um, you know, a lot of times it will re- involve restraint um, and, you know, it, it's more than just the art form. It's like, okay, let's take this into the sensual realm. You know, what's what works for you? What, you know, what is it that you're wanting? Right. 
I think one of the things that I find fascinating about this, especially in Salt Lake City, is Diana and I have like this idea that we know so much about what goes on in our own town because it is such a small fucking town, right? Yeah. Small Lake City. We've seen it all. We've heard it all. We've we smelled know all it all. The we know all the things. And then every time we have a guest on this show, I feel we learn something new. We've learned things about the polyamory community. We've learned things about the swinger community. We've learned things about like wives who are now finding their sexual rediscoveries and awakenings and like taking like sex courses and sex coaching, but not with their partner because they're ashamed of sharing these wants and desires with their partner. And so it makes me wonder if this is like something that is like more relevant to the underground than it is to just the general scene of sexual rediscovery in Salt Lake City. Because one of the things that we talked about, Salt Lake City's horny. Utah is horny. I hate that fucking word. I know you. That's why I say it. Can we choose a different one? Like, I don't know why. Okay, Miss Webster's. Oh, is that why you say it? It's because I hate it. You're such a shit. That's why I say it. Did you see what I have to deal with? good content. Yeah, I get it. Find me another word. (sighs) I don't know. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll figure it out and get back to you. So, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, my question is, what else do you think is going on in Salt Lake City that most people don't know about that hasn't like made its way into the mainstream things that people mostly think about slightly city being super conservative. And that's the weird thing, right? Yeah. Is that like it is we're so not, like, we are we're so not. not yeah. But the, the idea because of the religious aspects uh-huh. and the theologies of the state make people think that we are like prudish. Everyone just hides it. They suppress it. They but don't everyone, talk about it. Oh no, but everyone's, they're doing around. it. They're, they're doing not it. talking about it. That's exactly <laughs> here's, right. Here's the, like this is my take on it, you know, because I'm a polyamorous man as well. So I'm, you know, I'm in that community as well. And just the, the things that I've learned, you know, since coming out as polyamorous, I, I, like it's it's weird the realizations that I've had as I've had to kind of unwind my own social conditioning with my therapist, you know, around this whole polyamory thing because. Yeah, I mean, from birth, we're socially conditioned, you know, I mean, for the Disneyland love story. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Prince Charming and Sleeping, you know, Sleeping Beauty and they live happily ever after. And, you know, like anything outside of, you know, cishet monogamy is like, no, that's deviant. That's fucking weird. Like, that's, you know, mm, that's not for me. We're socially conditioned into that. I mean, the reality is just, you know, on the subject of polyamory, Monogamy only exists in a handful of species in the world. Right. And they're mostly fish and birds. None of the primates are. So, like, I personally, this is just my own, you know, world according to Jay, I don't think humans are hardwired to be monogamous. I think it's a socially conditioned, you know, thing, and I think it's a choice. And and it's not a bad choice. Like, it, monogamy is absolutely a valid choice. It works for a lot of people, you know. Um but that bleeds over into, you know, the, the BDSM community and any of the alternative communities, really, you know, because it's like it takes absolutely conscious emotional and mental excavation to unwind all of the social conditioning, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, be honest with yourself and be like, hey, this is something that turns me on. Hey, this is something I'm interested in. And I get that it's outside the, you know, the, the quote mainstream but this is something I want to explore. And and I think especially with a partner, like if you've been with a partner for any amount of time, it's like you've, you've kind of fallen into a, 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 this is the routine. This is the, you know, these are the scripts that we have. And so any deviation from that, it's like, it's an unknown. 
And as humans, we don't like unknown things. We like what, you know, we like our comfort zones. We like what's known. So it's like, if I deviate from this script with my partner, if I tell them, hey, I would like to be tied up or, hey, I would like to tie you up, you know, that's the, the possible ramifications of that are huge unknowns. It's like, okay, well, is this going to lead to divorce? Is this going to yeah. lead to a fight? Is this yeah. going to lead, you know, what, what are the possible consequences of me bringing up this thing that I want, that I, you know, that I'm interested in? Yeah. I think it's really interesting and like, this isn't me just trying to debate. This is me every day. This shit goes through my head sure. and it makes me try and figure out the world more and more because I mean, the world doesn't make sense, but what makes me feel comfortable is that we had to go through a lot of years of like you say, social conditioning and conservative conditioning to get where we are as a society. But that doesn't mean I believe that that's where we should stay. Yeah. And I think that it's hilarious that there's so many conservative people, especially, I mean, and I don't care where you fall into this. We talk a lot about like this kind of neo-masculine red pill society uh -huh. that has like these real conservative ideas, but also they have like these real manly masculine ideas of like, well, I should be able to fuck whoever I want, but you as a female should be submissive to me. Mm -hmm. I personally don't agree with that. What makes me laugh is that these, like I said, kind of conservative, conservative neo-masculine guys have such aversions to other different sexualities and practices that to me it's a hypocritical idea to think that they can do it and other people can't. So I guess what my point is with that is like, yeah, we had to have these decades and centuries of, you know, let's say monogamous yeah. and social constructs to get us to a point in society where we can start making decisions of how we want to live our lives. Mm -hmm. But at the same point, why are we pissing in other people's pools? Just let them live their lives and yeah. do the fuck what they want. That's the point. That's the whole deal. That's the point. Who fucking cares? Yeah. Like what's State. the point of getting to where we are in this world, in this society yeah. where we should be doing whatever the fuck we want right now. Yeah. But now we get a lot of people saying, well, I can do whatever the fuck I want, but you can't. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Everyone should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. Stay in your lane. Right. Be who you want to be. Whatever that looks like. It doesn't fucking matter. Could you right. imagine what that would look like if the whole world did this? I mean, we're not going to change the world right now, but holy shit. Everybody's in everyone's business. Right. And monogamy works for me. Yeah. Honestly, I think because... I don't have the time and I don't have the ability to multitask emotionally to bring more than one person into my life. But I have zero issues with people that do practice polyamory or swinging culture, you know, or yeah. even polygamy. You know, I, I think polygamy too is one of those things that's like a hot button topic because it's so associated with the negative sides of what, uh -huh. unfortunately, Mormons and yep. FLDS people have made polygamy known as. Yeah. But also, why the fuck not have more than one wife? Or why the fuck not yeah. have more than one husband? Oh, I think about it all the time. I'm like, that would be really handy right now. It just sucks that like a word's been poisoned <laughs> by the rhetoric that, yeah. you know, theological societies have made with it. Where now we're talking about child wives and stuff like that. Could you imagine having like a wife that does your cleaning only and a wife that does all the sex and a wife that does all this. Could you imagine just or having a husband? A that's the thing is I don't think <laughs> I it thought should about be, that too. It should not be 
narrowed down to like one sex having no, yeah. multiple partners. Right. Why can't a woman have more than one husband? I know. They'd like probably I said. fight each other. It would I mean, we talk about <laughs> simps all the time. If you had multiple husbands, we're talking about all simps. Like you could not have the masculine macho alpha. I mean right. what are you gonna have first husband? He's gonna be like, go fuck yourself to all the other Yeah. Guys. No, I wouldn't be able to handle more than one dude. But I've thought about it and thought, huh. It's not not quite a bad idea if you come to think of it, all the details involved. But that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> and and I think re- relating back to the BDSM community, you know, it's within the BDSM community, there's a hyper awareness of the power structures at play in any relationship. Mm. And consent is critically important. Like that matters. Like if you're in the BDSM community and you do not honor consent, you're going to like, you're going to be well known very, very quickly and you will be expunged from that community. It is not tolerated. Right. You I've, know? I've heard that a lot too with the swinger communities and like the polyamorous communities where, you know, when you bring in, let's say vanillas uh-huh. as like tourists, you instantly kind of get like a mark against you of like, okay, yep. you, we don't need you to bring in tourists. We don't need you to bring in people just to see how cool this lifestyle is. Like there really is a very serious way of how they vet people. Is that why I haven't gotten any invites? <laughs> okay, so that's... Now I know. I think we talked about this a little bit on our Swinger episode, but like yeah. some Swinger friends of ours invited us into one of like the main Facebook groups uh-huh. of the Swinger community. Yeah, and... invited Antonio and his partner. Not yeah. me. Not me and Antonio. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't get invited. I didn't get a fucking invite and I'm still bitter about <laughs> it. I would be bitter too. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Obviously, we weren't practicing, but it was like we yeah. were virtual tourists. Like right. we, and also, no one's there to talk shit. I was just curious about what the community looked like. Sure. Well, they were very good at monitoring who was actually interactive, uh-huh. and because I wasn't active, I got kicked out. Yep. I never said anything. I never did anything. But because of my inactivity, I was kicked out. Yep. But my partner was allowed to stay in because I think there is. Uh, a fluctuation of men versus women because your partner is not creep a creepy dude. I will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not saying you're creepy. I'm just saying that's what people think automatically is that this guy is in the background creeping in, observing, watching, listening. I agree because my personal thought on the reason why they don't want just tourist dudes in there is I think that tourist dudes in there are just kind of in there just to like fuck to watch. Yeah. Where I think the women are actually more interested in the lifestyle itself yeah. as a lifestyle, yeah. not as just like a sexual practice. Right. And, and that comes back to the power dynamics. Right. That's my point. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it, the, the, the problems arise in polygamy and polyamory and, you know, any other relationship dynamic that you choose when those power dynamics are unbalanced, you know, even with monogamy, it's like, you know, when the, the, the man has all the control and the woman has not consented to that, because, I mean, there are relationships in the BDSM community where the man absolutely has all the power. Like, he, right. he will, you know, the, the the his partner will look to him for permission for everything. You know, it's, it's everything is at his whim and his, you know, his decision. But that's a choice. She's chosen right, for right. that power exchange. Whereas a lot of times in, you know, the, the mainstream monogamous relationships, it, that's what's been socially conditioned is that imbalance of power. And that's that's one of the things that I that I really enjoy about Shibari because it's like I don't take this lightly. There's a very real possibility every time I tie somebody of, you know, muscle damage, nerve damage, you know, even death, depending on what the tie is, you know. And so I approach that very reverently, 
you know, because it is an exchange of power. Someone is trusting me with their health and well-being, and you know, and ultimately their life. So, we went through a safety questionnaire test thing with Jay before <laughs> we started before we started recording. Right. So he's serious about it. It's true. Hundred percent. What is the power dynamic when it comes to let's say I don't want to say male and female, but let's say dominant and submissive. What does that look like? How is that arranged? How is it agreed upon to? Like, what does that conversation even look like before the practice actually begins? Sure. No, and every conversation is, is, is different, but it all covers basically the same ground. You know, as, as the dominant, it's my responsibility to find out, you know, I want to know all of my subs' um, wants and needs, what their desires are. I also need to be hyper aware and super clear on what their boundaries are and how much I can push up against those. Right. Because ultimately that's, that's what they're asking me to do is they want me to push against those boundaries. So for me, uh, the power dynamic, the one with the power is actually the sub. My job as the Dom is to give them everything that they want. They're asking me for what they want. They're being very specific and I make sure that they are so that I understand fully and completely how far I can push and you know, whatever it is we're doing, you know, and then they're giving me the power. It's like, okay, you know, everything, you know, you have the power now to do these things to me. And at the end of the day, they're the ones that still retain the power with the safe word. You know, I, I, where, where do we go with this? You know, my safe words are simple, you know, green, cool. We're grooving. Let's keep on keeping on, you know, yellow. It's like, mm, we're, we're pushing up against something. We're okay. But like, we're pushing up against it. Right. And red is a hard stop. Oh, I get it. Now it's like the traffic light. <laughs> Did it really take sense. you that long to figure it out? That's adorable. <laughs> oh my god. I'm over here going, "Oh my god, I'm seeing a pattern. I, I remember these I remember these colors." <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well, my safe word's pineapple still. I'm still sticking to it. So. Right. Did you notice I put a pineapple behind you? I did notice, I did notice that, and it says, good vibes. vibes. Good vibes. Did I buy you this pineapple? Yeah, you got it from the dollar store. That's right. That's right. I was with my 12-year-old. She's like, you have to buy this for Antonio. <laughs> I think that's fascinating. So one of the things that we're going to do today is we're going to demonstrate a tie. Yeah, a couple things, actually. On Diana, Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and just pause this, mm -hmm. get her tied up, and we're going to come back. So everyone, hold tight. Yes. And we are back. That was an amazing demo by Jay of Shabari and Diana. Yes. You look a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. He's so talented. Thank you. What I really appreciated about the whole thing was the fact that you were so just informative about everything you were doing, that you were asking for consent on everything, that you were explaining your process as you were doing it, not just for the sake of the podcast, but as a soothing mechanism for the person that you're doing it for. And again, yeah. one of the things I mentioned during that whole process is that the amount of respect and consent goes against everything I've ever heard about mm -hmm. what people do with this kind of practice, bondage, BDSM, it makes yeah. me feel so more comfortable about the whole thing. Me what about too. you? I know, right? Well, that's how I felt when I was first telling you about it. I felt so comfortable with that whole world. I mean, I was on a, I was on a high after we met for dinner. I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy, incredible, cool stuff. And, you know, I, this just goes, this goes along with what I've been saying since day one and for years and years and years is there's no such thing as over communicating. Right. And that goes in friendship, business, 
sex, intimacy, romance, every single kids, Jesus, like everything, communication, just talk, you know, talk it through. And it makes everything feel safe. You can make people feel safe mm -hmm. if you talk. If you don't talk and you're mysterious, that's where the unsafetiness is. Mm -hmm. right? right? And that's with everything, even like really dating, even relationships, yeah. like marriage, all of it. If you're if you're not saying much and there's not a lot of words coming out of your mouth. There's some stuff that, going on. That's an issue. It's an issue. Totally. So my, my primary partner is monogamous and you know, like from day one, like she knew that I was polyamorous. And when we decided to date, you know, we had the conversation very upfront. It's like, okay, so here's the deal. This is me. This is who I am. You know, totally understand that you're monogamous. Are you sure you want to do this? And she's like, no, I I'm, I'm interested in giving it a try. Well, you know, let's, let's date until it's not good for us. You know, because right now we're interested in each other. We're enjoying each other's company. And, and she has from day one, always been super supportive. Like it's so, I find it interesting because I still have social conditioning that I need to unwind myself every single time. Like when I start flirting with someone new, I'm, I absolutely know that I'm going to tell my partner, she gets to know, you know, whether right. it's just innocent flirting and it doesn't go anywhere, whether I go on a date with someone else, like it doesn't, she's informed every step of the process for her own safety and health, as well as just the health of our relationship. But I, in me, I recognize every single time I have this hesitation that comes up. I can't tell her that because it's going to hurt her feelings or it's, you know, and it's just not true. So that's the work that I get to do to keep my communication with her clear, you know, so that our, so the health of our relationship stays where it is. I'm glad you said that because it totally brings me to what I think Diane and I talk about every week on this podcast mm -hmm. is that relationships should be evolving the same way that technology mm -hmm. yes. and social constructs, gender identities. Yeah. We as humans are always evolving. Yes. And I think what holds us back are the people that say that there are certain things that should not evolve. Mm -hmm. And I think relationships the social constructs, things like that, gender identity. I think there's people that have their feet so just dug into the dirt about that. But they want all the technology. They want all the toys. They want all the evolution of everything else. But when it comes to the conformity of the traditional relationship, well, that shall not be infringed. And I think that is why I think we are regressing in certain parts of this world and parts of this country is that we can't all get on the same page that, hey, it's an evolution but that doesn't mean that you or yourself have to evolve. Just allow people to evolve exactly. the way they want to evolve. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, and I, I think in relationships, especially like we as humans, we look for some sort of permanence as a sense of security. It's like, oh, I, I found this person that I like. Yeah. You know, I dig spending time with them. I, I want to make sure that they're always here because that makes me feel safe and secure. Right. You know, because dating sucks. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Who it feels does. safe and secure when they date? Yeah. Nobody. But right. So we want that safety and security. You know, it's like, okay, I want the, I want this relationship to be permanent. I want it to last forever. You know, I want to be with you until I die, you know, and that's just not reality. You know, as humans, we grow and evolve. I was married for 24 years. I'm still madly in love with her, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we still have a great relationship, even though we've been divorced for five years now, you know, it's like I, the relationship changed and evolved. I changed and evolved. So did she, mm -hmm. you know, when we first started talking about separating, uh, you know, she brought up the point. She's like, you're not the man I married. And I was like, no, I'm fucking not. And you're not the woman I married, nor should we be. 
It's been 24 years. We better be different people, you know? Right. We, we've grown and evolved. And so I think... It just, what if you grow and evolve together simultaneously? Do you I think, think that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, it's I know there's thing, nothing yeah. wrong with it, but I just mean what's your opinion or outlook or belief on being able to spend your life with someone if you're evolving together? I think it's 100% valid. It yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, yeah. That's literally what I've been looking for for the yeah. past 11 years. It is. And it I is. know it exists because yeah, I've seen it, it with other people, but it takes two very special human beings to be able to evolve together uh -huh. and a lot of communication, mm -hmm. a lot of emotional maturity. Um, you don't ever stop doing the work ever. ever, ever. And it can be exhausting and you have to know the balance of let's just be surfacey for a minute and then let's go deep and let's mm -hmm. get deeper. And that's the, that's the tricky part of, really true relationship that lasts is the finding the yeah. balance and and being willing to be that vulnerable with your partner because being vulnerable with your partner don't care how long you've been together it's still scary every single time absolutely 100 you percent. Know? yep but yeah this tie is fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> thank you again thank you I'm going to throw you a hardball this week. Let's hear this guy's opinion. The chip gives you that it was complicated. It was a situation ship, but she speaks fondly of the guy. Like he's always on her mind sort of thing. Like he's living rent free in her mind and in her heart sort of thing. That's an alpha widow. Like that's a woman that hasn't gotten over a guy from her past, which she deemed to be high value. In many cases, if she can't get over him when she's dealing with you, that generally means she saw him as higher value than you, which is why she always thinks about that dude. You'd never want to be a chick's second, third place, always be her first choice. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. However, he's way too surfacey to be saying shit like that <laughs> because it has nothing to do with the dude. It has everything to do with the emotion tied to the relationship. If it was traumatizing, if it was a traumatic experience, you're going to be talking about that motherfucker for a minute. Okay, I'm going through it right now. I can say wholeheartedly that that's true. So it doesn't matter the person. It truly doesn't. It's the emotion tied to it. I've got an opinion on this, and I agree with you 100%. Let's hear it. My opinion is, is that women do this. It doesn't matter how strong your relationship currently is. There is always going to be a person, a dude, it might even be a woman, in your female partner's experience that she's always going to consider higher value than you. That doesn't necessarily mean that she loves you any less. That doesn't mean that she respects you any less, but there is always going to be someone in her mind that was like, wow, we talked about this before, the one that got away or the whatever, the, the should have, would have, could have. I think that men have the exact same process, but instead of value, it's sexuality. Yeah. I think that men think about partners who are maybe more sexually adventurous or kinky or more willing to pleasure than the current partner than you're with. And that doesn't mean that they have any less respect for the partner that they're with. Where this gets dangerous is like when we've talked about in the past, the uncommunicated expectations of that partner. Yeah. If you are not communicating where you're at or how you feel and all the things that are maybe going wrong or right in your current relationship, 
it is like a preternatural instinct for your mind to go back to whether it was a high value man or a highly sexual partner that a man had in his past. And you linger on those. Yeah. And where it gets dangerous is when you allow those lingerings to overcome your common sense and your appreciation for your current reality. Yeah, so that's right. this is a guy who's like super red pilly. And yeah. he's like, don't allow yourself to be second or third choice. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm sure that all of us at one point have been our partner's second, third, maybe fourth choice. And that shouldn't matter. I 100% believe that you don't always end up with the love of your life, and that's okay. But I think it is important to recognize the signs of when there's, let's say, waning and wanting and maybe some dissatisfaction with the place you're at with your partner. And if you're not communicating, that's where things fall apart. I mean, listen, we can communicate our, or not communicate, we can create our situation we can create whatever we want. We can create whatever relationship we want. We can create anything we want with words and communication with the right person. It takes two to do that. Right. But if you're having thoughts about an ex or a person that you were with in the past, talk about it. Right. There's no reason why you cannot because at the end of the day, you're getting in bed with that guy. At the end of the day, you're sleeping with him. At the end of the day, he's taking you home. It shouldn't matter conversations about someone from your past shouldn't matter if they're a secure, confident human being. I agree and disagree at the same time. I agree that there is a time and place to have those conversations. For sure. But it is also obvious to one partner or another if you just start mentioning and name dropping exes on a regular basis. To me, that is unhealthy because it you is. are that starting is. to create a, a situation where, oh, now my partner is beginning to feel insecure because I keep name dropping an ex. I'm guilty. I've done that several times. And my partner's like, oh, you're talking about so-and-so again. And it's not that I was intentionally trying to make a point that like, oh, I enjoyed this time with so-and-so. Right. It was things like we drive us past a, a sign or maybe we're going through a town. I'm like, oh, I was here one time with so-and-so. I didn't have to say that yeah. I was there with so-and-so. I could have easily just said, I've been here before. Right. That's where I think that making sure no, that you I are agree. aware of your, of your language and your yeah. verbiage with the person that you are with to make sure that you're showing respect because it's not like you're talking to your bro. It's like, oh yeah, I remember when I banged a chick on the side of the highway when we passed that mile 34 right. sign. Right. You know, you don't no, have to I know do what you're that, saying. Right? But you know, you have to understand too that if that name is coming up or that situation's coming up often, there's nothing wrong with saying, like, tell me the emotion that's connected to this because it keeps coming up. Like Ooh, that's a good point. Not in a rude way or like being an asshole but just simple words like delivery and words are huge you get a long way in life if you know how to use those together right and it's like just say yo like what is it what's the emotion tied you know with this because I don't want to do that to you right. I want to learn how to love you and I don't want to be the next person you're talking about in years from now or whatever so yeah I, I think that agreed on on both points, but also counterpoint. I, I think this is you're you're kind of flirting with the line of relationship anarchy, you know, where there isn't a hierarchy. You know, I mean, let's look at it this way. So the the best kisser, like of all my partners I've ever had since you know my entire life, best kisser was the first girl I ever kissed. You know, I was twenty one because you know Mormon. Uh, <laughs> 
and we would make out for hours. And to this day, she's still the best kisser. I've had lots of partners and like, you know, she's still the best one. There's always going to be a best one of something like, you know, it's, yeah. it's unreasonable to think as a partner, I need to be the best at everything for my partner. I need to be, you know, give the best blow job, give the, you know, whatever the case may be. Yep. There's going to be somebody who's, you know, on the list of partners that your partner has had that's, you know, number one in whatever category. But it doesn't mean you're you know? desiring them. Exactly. It doesn't mean you're sitting there desiring exactly. this person from right 20 exactly. years ago. And so when you get rid of that hierarchy where it's just like, okay, I know where I, you know, my partner wants to spend time with me. My partner enjoys my company. You know, we, we do things for each other. We care about each other. We nurture each other. We communicate clearly that hierarchy goes away where it's like, oh, is there a first? Is there a second? Is there a third? No, there's not really. There's a different partner. You know, that different partner, this is the experience I had with them. But right now, I want this experience with you. Yes. I love that. Yes. 100%. Jay, I can't thank you enough for coming to the studio today, talking about your passion, talking about your art. And having the opportunity to see you demonstrate it here in person, it was really exciting. It was a genuine pleasure being here. Diana, thank you for letting me tie you. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was awesome. I think it's so cool. And it's comfortable. Right? It's like really comfortable. I mean, it's it's kind of tight, but I I don't think I would feel comfortable if it wasn't tight. Does yeah. that make sense? Like uh -huh. if it was loose, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't feel sexy. I mean, you want to feel secure. It's like, I, a, it's like a well-fitting bra. Yes, it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like a thunder jacket for your pupper to keep him from freaking exactly. the fuck out. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I guess my question for you, Diana, is this mm -hmm. something that you would do again? Um, Maybe. I mean, sure. I mean, it's not something that's like, oh my God, this is turning me on right now. Like it's, a, it's just like, sure. But it makes you feel more comfortable about maybe let's say if there's the next step, the next level, be like, yeah, I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Um, I'm an impatient person. <laughs> yeah, that did take a minute. <laughs> and I have ADHD really bad. And so I was like trying just to hold still. So under the right circumstances, maybe. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, if anything, I learned so much about this world and so much respect. That's the whole reason why I jumped on OnlyFans for three months mm -hmm. was so that I could understand the world and stop being so fucking judgmental. Yes. 100%. This is just one of those learning things. And I'm just so grateful that I've got this awesome man that I've known forever that I feel safe with. And I love it. I love that this is a cool hobby and safe and beautiful and exotic and all the things. Thank you. For real. All right, well, we're going to do what we do every week, tell you to go to our socials on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Visit us at themilfandmepod.com. Send us an email to themilfandmepod at gmail.com. And hey, subscribe to our YouTube. This is like episode five now. It's just cranking them out, and this one's exciting. We've got a lot of fun stuff for people to look at, right? Yes, yep. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. And everyone, we will see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>